Welcome to Minority Corner, where we take an introspective look at the world through an intersectional lens. I'm James, he, him. I'm a queer political activist, actor, comedian, self-proclaimed sexy blurred. That's a um, black nerd. And each week I'm joined in the corner by other fabulous minorities and some allies tackling the news, pop culture, politics, media, entertainment, and history with a little self-care, self-love sprinkled throughout, all for our own personal and collective empowerment. Well, have we got a show for you because Robin Allen, our friendly neighborhood stylist, is here. Personal shopper and on-air personality. Really stoked to finally get Robin Allen style here on the show. So exciting because we're going all the way back to her glory days where all began her up in Tyra Banks' T-Zone. You know the one back when uh, Tyra was doing it up on America's Next Top Model. She also had the T-Zone. And we then kick it over to what Tyra has been up to lately, which is hosting Dancing with the Stars, which is pushing boundaries with one of their contestants. The Emmys happen. Why do we 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 get ourselves into these situations with these award shows? Because then we're just disappointed in the end when they just do what they do. But uh, we couldn't help but notice a lack of melanin. We discuss our disappointments and we do celebrate some of the wins as well the emmys gotta do better why the last man is giving us some post-apocalyptic realness sans those with a y chromosome and is Nicki minaj distracting us with all this not getting vax impotent swollen testicles nonsense to distract us from her legal troubles and diving into history continuing with our celebration of all things latinx hispanic and selena dodd it is, we dive into Mendez versus Westminster, which came seven years before the Brown versus Board of Education case. And you probably didn't hear about it, but you're going to today. And then Robin leads us into a deeper dive into AOC's controversial, to some, Met Gala ensemble and how that leads us into a discussion of what we wear, how the medium is the message and how what we wear can help empower us and the great things that we can do with the clothes that we are wearing to also just reflect who we are from the amazing people that we are on the inside, how it can also reflect out on the outside. Some really great tips coming at you. So we're going to get into it on an all-new episode of Minority Corner happening right now. So it's time to learn, laugh, and play. Robin Allen style, welcome to the show. Oh, my goddess. I'm trying. I feel. Oh, <laughs> wow. Well, they're starting there today. I don't think I've actually. I, in all my year of saying, oh my God, that is so wonderful. Mm -hmm. I love you're just like, yes, that's me. You're just taking it in. Oh, take notes, kids, because you're going to learn how to just be your best self by having. But just this hour that you're going to spend is Robin Allen style. Like, you're mm -hmm. in for a treat. <laughs> Hold on to your butts and your boobs. <laughs> And you're okay. Yes, this is it. Okay. I love it because you're coming in hot and just ready to go. Uh-huh. Oh, it's good. This has been oh, yeah. like a year in the making, oh, yeah. I would say. Because we've met and we've socialized and we've kikied off screen, but never on. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, off screen. And now we're bringing the kiki straight to you, kids. Bringing this kiki straight to you. I got to get to the first spilling the tea. I need this. Yeah. And the T is about the T-Zone. 
because you and yes. Jennifer Covington has been on the show, frequent guest yes. co-hosts and constantly wrangling her into guests. And now I'll be constantly wrangling you to guests. You both <laughs> have been to the T-Zone. So yep. I'm obsessed because I remember hearing commercials about the T-Zone. And I feel like it's one of those right. things that like I never met someone who's been on the T-Zone. Like <laughs> I've never met anybody who's been on Wild and Crazy right. Kids. I would have thought by now I would have met somebody. But now okay. I am excited because I've met and explained to the kids what the um, T-Zone so was. The T-Zone is like. Tyra Banks's baby. Well, at the time, let's just say that <laughs> her baby. And she yes. got many babies now. Yes. And yes. she got many babies left behind. Now. But at the time, that was her thing. She was doing America's Next Top Model. She was like at the top of her game. And that's when I saw the ad was during America's mm-hmm. Next Top Model commercial breaks. That's where I saw it. And I was like, oh, I live in LA. Yes. Oh, I could yes. do this. Oh, I want to, you know, empower girls of women of color and girls of color between the ages of 13 and 15. Yes. <laughs> and so I went to the interview and I got to the interview and there's just these three, you know, amazingly powerful black women sitting there interviewing me three. And I was like, huh, maybe I'm out of my league. Like I was like, <sighs> huh. And then we get to the little, like, uh, the little meeting for the counselors before camp and that's where i first met jennifer who i call by her camp name to this day which is princess and my camp name is sunkiss because of all the freckles Mm. um and so we met at this at this counselor's little retreat and there was a little game that you had to like write down like an accomplishment or something that you did and then you had to figure out who in the room like owned that accomplishment well, James, these accomplishments were like, might as well have been like yeah. Nobel Peace, Peace Prize, wrote a book, professor of, you know, the so- social work guru. And then I'm over here like fashion stylist. <laughs> I help people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that makes sense. I would feel like that's who would be going to the T-Zone. You're like, okay, I got this fashion unlock. I'm going to empower you through your fashion. And they're over here like, I saw one of the genomes for cancer and like working on it's it. It's true. Like, oh, it's <laughs> true. And Jen's like, it's I work true. at Budweiser so like, or like <laughs> <or> MTV. <laughs> right. So that's what, that's exactly it. So that's what we bonded over. We're like, are we out of our league? We'll bring the fun. That's what we'll do. We'll bring the fun. And all, so it needs people all, all sides. I didn't realize it for whatever yeah. reason. I thought you were a participant during in the T zones. So that's where my brain always was. Yeah. I thought that you were. Yeah. I thought you were, and I honestly, too, my I don't really. I mean, I thought the T zone was just like modeling camp or like modeling. Yeah, <laughs> like modeling camp. But sure. you, yeah, you I would have yeah. figured, but it was so much more because you know what makes sense. Tyra is so much more than that. And Tyra, you never count Tyra out. I, you're like, oh, what? I didn't. I forgot about this. I remembered, and then I forgot, and then I remembered again because I saw an article. She is the current host of Dancing with the Stars. That's right. I think this is her second I, season. She's, like, brand new to this it. This is her second season. She struggled in her first season. That's yeah. what I remembered. She And you would think, like, oh, Tyra can handle a teleprompter the way that she yells at those girls, <laughs> like, BB, but that's you need script. to read the teleprompter. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> but that's different because I could imagine this is different because, like, Tyra's used to, like, it being her show, calling the shots. Right. This is, like, a whole well-oiled machine, and she's stepping in. Yeah. And so I do love, like, you know, it's also nice to see her be human. Yeah. And oh, also, yeah. like, you know, 
But Dancing with the Stars has a break, like, I, I feel like the word breakthrough case is ruined because of Delta. Right. Um, there's <laughs> Whole not different a terms now. Case. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a breakthrough moment or crack okay. the ceiling moment. Okay. They had the first same-sex partners <gasps> dancing. Jojo Siwa, Siwa, a Nickelodeon star of sort, and she just recently came out in 2021. I've seen the name... I didn't care, but now that I know she fam, I'm like, okay, let's do it up. I watched it, and they were they were doing oh, I it. I love up. that. I also was surprised because I thought that Lance Bass had, was on Dancing with the Stars, and I thought he danced with the Dukes. I yeah yeah. So they made Lance Maybe Bass not. came out, and they're like cute, and like the cute, reason but, why. Let's be yeah. honest at this point, if you're booking Lance Bass for anything, it's for two things. He was on and sing, and he was gay. Like those are his two things right yeah, now. And he wants to be an astronaut. He wants to be an astronaut. Maybe throwing that in for shits and giggles or something. And so I just think it's yeah. like, he came out and they're like, cute, dance with his lady. Yeah. It's just like, they're like, we're not ready. We're not this. ready. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Well, this is the, I think, the 30th her? season of Dancing with the Stars. What? I did not mean to go down this Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> no, but that was like, important. Who's still watching? <laughs> but it's one of those shows that you know that you kind of watch in the periphery where you're like, yeah. oh, who's on? Yeah. And you hear and you think like, oh, I think I'll watch this season. And then. And no, then you don't. No, or you like you watch the beginning no. and then it's like, I don't I don't really care no, who wins. It's me. But... Who are these people? <laughs> Ryan Austin Green is on. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no longer with Megan Fox. <laughs> We, she's made that clear. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, you know, and I saw Mel C is on. Really? And what's interesting is I, back when I was watching Dancing with the Stars, I will give this up. The two people that I've seen do the absolute best on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. Mel B fucking yeah. still burned to her. Pasa Doble to free your mind is ingrained oh. in my head. Google oh. it. Change mm. your life. Free your mind. I could, yeah. Didn't know that the pasta doble could be done to free your mind, but Mel B fucking. That's, that's and, badass. And her badass. and then Nicole Schwarzinger. Schwarzinger. Oh, right. From Puss Catals. Which it makes yeah. sense. It almost feels like yeah. cheating, but like, you know, like it she's going up against like, like, you know, Octomom or something. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how Octa- Octa- that's how she you can just <laughs> yeah yeah you can just uh, uh, yeah but i will say that and uh, the men i don't know the data behind this but i know for the longest time it's so much easier for the men men have to do less tricks in ballroom right they just that's true and the football players are naturally just kind of coordinated so they can like you they know can, they got the yeah they got they, they do yeah and then they hold the lady they got the, but the ladies have to do like you flip and then now you over here and you kick and you got to bend backwards yep. so it's it's a little it's, it's the ginger rogers quote right backwards and then high heels a hundred percent so that's why my snaps go off to if you ever get bored go down that youtube hole but once you watch one of these videos this is all you're gonna be getting on youtube like youtube <laughs> i yeah. watch so like suggest suggest i watched one celebrity <laughs> family feud video and now steve harvey and that's it. has taken over my youtube it's a slippery slope okay well since we're having dangerous confessions of our youtube watching um what's on yours oh. well i'm upset well i'm really into like vloggers right now which i kind of have this well, like guilty feeling you youtubers yeah it- and then i'm like why am i watching this like yeah because it's really the day in the life of like people just random people <laughs> But there's something very calming about that, like very zen, like, 
yeah, do your laundry, girl. Do it. And they're not like, doing, that's good for you. Because at first I was like, well, can't you just watch reality <laughs> television? But the, the height of this is that there's no drama. They're just like, there it is. Time to find my keys. <laughs> yes. There's a cute dog. Hey, you. Like, just, oh, <laughs> it's sort of like this is your version of like The Sims or Animal Crossing. I think sometimes we just kind of like watching people yes, do simple yes. things. It's just like so relaxing. Yes, because it. then it's like I I made the bed too today. Awesome. I feel okay. like I'm winning. I'm doing it. I'm I doing feel good. Like I'm winning. <laughs> yeah, but I'm super obsessed with Auntie Tabitha, Tabitha mm. Brown. So she's up okay. in my queue a lot because I've been questioning like getting to veganism mm. more. And good luck with that. Then you know she also got the preacher vibes. So Don't you there's feel, all that. Are you a vegetarian? So. Don't you feel like you should like? I am. Okay. So yeah. That's, so it's okay. not a. I like. I appreciate that you weren't just going from like yeah. zero to. I think it's a huge job to go too. like I eat meat all the day. Yeah, yeah. That's it's like a, time to cut it off. Yeah, luck, yeah. Right, you gotta. That's mm. that's a harder shift. I'm vegetarian-ish. Yeah. I do, or at least I used to be. Now that I pretty much don't give yeah. up on cooking, I'm just too busy. And I'm so too busy. busy. <laughs> um, and so I have a DoorDash pass, so and nice. so it's very. And before I was like, oh, meat is a treat. Okay. And so I'd only if I was eating out. But now all I do is eat right. out, and so it's just meat is not just a treat it's just every day. <laughs> there it is. That's all right. It's all right. We're all doing all right. I was uh, talking to my vegan friend, though. I was just like, you know what? I don't know if I can go full vegan, but maybe I could be a chigan because I cannot give up cheese. Ooh, don't yeah. tell me. Don't try to talk to me okay. about vegan cheese right. being cheese. No. Sorry, y'all. No. Like, I could, I could work. I could look, look, I could eat vegan cheese, but please don't tell me mm-hmm. that it's just as good as no, regular yeah, cheese. Yeah, you, can't, you, you lie. It won't melt. I mean, that's the uh, one. This won't yeah. melt. It's not, it's not just, going anywhere. Just know it's not the real thing. And so I'm just like, I'll be a Cheegan. Mm-hmm. I can do all the vegetarian stuff, but just let me have the cheese, please. Oh, so that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Okay. So I feel like, I don't know why I do this to myself. Like we're always let's talk about award shows. We're always yeah. we're always butthurt about the results of an award show. Like, don't you feel like yeah. the conversation after an award show is usually mm. like, oh, this like, oh, nobody mm-hmm. great won or one person won that we're excited about. And yes. like, I feel like usually, especially with um, you know, the Emmys or the Oscars or the Golden Globes or something, it's usually the industry showing how far or progressive it's gone. Right. But it just is really not. It's falling so short. I feel it like is. so. The Emmys happen, and they did. it's really exciting to see. There is such a great time in television right now in terms of the diversity of storytelling and stories yes. happening. Emmy nominations came out. There's like one category, four black people up in it. Now, I knew not to, like, watch the show because I'm only good at, why am I going to put myself through three hours of being just upset? And yes. Well, I did that story, for you. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Well, long story <laughs> long, the, all this diversity, it doesn't get into, like, hour two until you see the first person of color winning an award. And I believe mm-hmm. it was, I don't know which came first, either RuPaul won for Drag Race again, which is great. Cool. Which is great. All right. Love yeah. it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to forget the historical and groundbreakingness of it, even though it continues to win, like it's still a big fucking deal, right? Still huge. Drag into yeah. the mainstream, kind of watered down, but that's not what today's conversation is about. And then Michaela Cole finally getting her. She was roses. first. She won first before oh, she, we were Okay, Paul. see, yeah. Robin got the receipt. She's like, okay, it was 7.27 yeah. p.m. P.m. 
Her, her speech was two minutes and 42 seconds. Now, when you look at That's that right. other guy, what was it, Queen's Gambit? He I couldn't. Let them... we, luckily, we recorded it, so we were, like, fast-forwarding. Because, okay. like, my mom and I are like, what the hell is happening? Are we watching, like, white male privilege at its finest oh, right now? Got it. Because Debbie Queen Allen Gambit had just won. talked. <laughs> yeah, and Debbie Allen had I just didn't realize talked. Debbie Allen had just talked. <laughs> yes! Oh, and God. she had just got the governor's award, you know, deserved, and deserved. she... She wrote a speech. Okay, yeah, they played the music on her once, but I thought that was inappropriate because she got the special award of the night. You and you talk. never, you she never gets, cut off the special keynote. award. No. Yeah. So for her to like do Mama Debbie real quick, she was all like, Thank you. I'm so happy. And then she's like, Oh no, you're not gonna cut me off. Like she went into it. like, oh no, you're yeah. not. <laughs> this is Mama Debbie her. telling you. That's so her. for more than for, more than a man. <laughs> that's right. If she had her dancing stick, she'd be like, No. <laughs> no. Sidebar, you so, have seen her music video with her and her sister, Felicia Rashad, yes. more than a man. Okay. Yes. And speaking, our friend Jennifer Covington is the one that brought that to my eyes. So uh, anyway, uh, okay. Uh, but I mean, no. Mama Debbie, Jen she's like, you're not going to cut me yeah, off. Yeah, yes. And so Fair. then she was giving this beautiful speech, but it was very empowering. And she's even talking about how I earned my place at the table. I was the mm. only woman in, a, in the room a lot in my career. And I've helped change a lot of lives. She even says that. And I was she like, She got Amistad yes, made. She is yes. the reason that Amistad got made. Be and it was because I didn't her know kid went to school with Steven Spielberg's kid. And she'd been trying to get this movie made for the longest wow. time and wow. finally like cornered him. Because again, it's like, again, it's like Hamilton said, you got to be in the room where it happens. And so yep. you're not in those spaces of networking. But like, yes, she is the reason why Amistad got made. That's amazing. I did not know that. And that makes so much sense. Yeah. And she's, she's made so many films better and so many, for so many different reasons. And so she she's has her presence with Grey's Anatomy is just like, mm, I'm always afraid they're going to kill her right? off. Cause I'm just like, like she's too it. busy. She doesn't have time. <laughs> and yet she's God. been there. They're on yeah. season seven to 10 years. I cannot Ten even. Years she's been on I cannot there. even. And directing and things like that. Yeah. And making space for other women to direct and, and stuff like that. It's just so, amazing. Like, but Queen's Gambit guy gets up there and like they try to play him off a few times and they just three like the, th three <laughs> times like we you know how you skip ahead on a dvr it's 30 second skip we were like oh my god oh, oh we were okay. still skipping still... and still talking and he was being so rude about like you should turn that music off and da, da, da. And it's like oh but you're not debbie allen and you didn't win a big award and she that even counted her time of a standing ovation for her mm. when she came out that was included in the entire time all of that was less than this douche and now he's going to be remembered for this and not remembered for the queen's gambit which was brilliant i you know right. what i mean like sure yeah he just rained on his yeah, own parade. i know that's what people were saying they're like i now am so bitter about like the show that i really mm. enjoyed and loved i think it's just like you know if you look at it too and i feel like michaela cole i mean I may destroy oh. you, change my, I, but I put me back in therapy. Like it, things came up for me and I was like, oh, okay, we gotta go back to therapy uh, yeah. that this show brought out. And I just, you yeah. look at like, again, I mean, just to think if like Ginger Rogers, but like if she was black or like, you know, I, yeah. you know, because again, Michaela Cole, like when Fleabag came out, Phoebe couldn't get, they gave her all the awards, right? And here Michaela Cole is doing something very similar, writing very and similar. starring in. And she mm -hmm. wasn't able to get the full, I think, accolades that she absolutely deserved. And so it just, and it's also too, just kind of like, is this what the industry is? Like we, it's just this weird, like you, the colonialism of it, of that. Yes. 
all these awards that went to the crowd. And there was one person who won and someone was like, she was in like three scenes and they were like, here's an award. It's just like, there's such amazing television happening right now. And amazing. I, we could have spread. And I, here's what it is. Oh, the industry is not watching their screeners. There's so much television. Yes. And they clearly were just like, well, I only watched the crown. So I'll vote for that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, there was a headline I was reading today that was like, Hey, every hey Emmys, maybe watch some TV, like because it was just like because <laughs> it was like really yeah. these are like because yeah. it was literally like what five or six shows that were up for everything yeah. really really and they were and it was great. Very... Like, I love Ted Lasso. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, like, my friend Ashton Nicole Black who's been on the show. She's one of the oh, writers. awesome, fabulous. But like again, there's just like we gotta spread that. There's more. There's absolutely we more. gotta spread the love a little bit. And there's love to be spread. There's talent that in all these other shows that exist. It's not like it would be a pity nomination, you know. No. Like it's there's real talent out there that needs to be nominated. It's just interesting. And back to Michaela Cole, by the way. She I just read something in interesting yesterday that she passed up a million dollar contract with Netflix because they wouldn't give her the copyrights and the rights to her writing for the show. Uh -huh. And so she held her she held her position and that's why she went with HBO because now she has all of that on the back end and no one talks about that either. It's like wow, you should be grateful. Yeah, yeah, you should be grateful you're going to get a million dollars and then never be able to cash in on your own work again. Mm, you know? Yeah. So I'm glad that was being shared on um, Instagram yesterday. But we had to talk about See? Why the Last Man. It's on Hulu and yes. you watched the first episode. I've watched a couple I of did. episodes. It's based on a graphic novel, Why the Last Man. It's on Hulu and FX. And the premise is everyone with a Y chromosome human animal dead just dies yes and and it, it it was it was like a crazy reveal though in that first episode i was like oh oh because uh, i was like why are all the men and i was like oh, the men are not because it's a y chromosome it's a okay. y chromosome yeah and so and so it's just the uh <laughs> the re and it's so interesting because like a friend of mine was obsessed with this graphic novel back in college and I I was like, oh yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, all the men, all yeah. the men die. There's only one who survives. Like one survives, um, yeah. and I'm like, oh, that sounds great. But then as you watch it, you're like, oh, this is not as great as I thought it would be. Because there's still just like, mm -hmm. first of all, the trauma of half, like almost half the population mm -hmm. and things just dying. And what it kind of realizes is like we all kind of de we depend on each other for our survival as. Yeah. A community and I, I i thought it was such a great job of like usually like in these apocalyptic shows they don't show you day one they don't show you what happened day right. one this one does and you're just like whoa like this is intense yeah and i was skeptical like when you like you know put put it up there like oh, i'm gonna talk about it. i'm like okay i'm gonna watch the first episode i'm like oh, but i'm not a fan of sci-fi like i'm always like <laughs> screaming like i don't want to but i'm gonna watch it for him and so I watched it and I was like, they took me from the beginning mm -hmm. that I need to, I need yeah. to know how this happened, where it all starts. Yes. Yes. Just and plot. they gave us a day before yeah. too. So it wasn't even like day. Uh, they gave us like a, like they prepared us to see how everyone was working and, and being before. Mm -hmm. So I loved that. It was, it was good. Yes. And it's very, like, I, I think one of the, another reason why I love it is like, I feel like the cast is very diverse. They didn't, because one of the issues that I have with like, the handmaiden's tale which i kind of fell off of and i'm i'm not yeah i'm here for it this is your jam go for it i just always felt the handmaiden's tale is a little white women 
feminism sort of like what would happen and i just think like i can't imagine because i know so many black women and women of color in my life i cannot picture the handmaid's tale just seems like i just i can't and i again maybe it's because i'm i'm a man and so i have this privilege where i'm not under like seeing it but i just i could not see that world happening but this story i see women in my life in this story because it's i see how they are going about their lives i thought they've done a great job making it inclusive there's even trans characters who are in it who um in their journey and their their story it's it's there's uh this isn't giving away too much but you know because again anybody with a y chromosome has died and so any you know for trans characters trans people they still have that y chromosome and then them having to explain to people how they're still here and they're like i'm having to come out all over again and it's their it's a harrowing journey for them and so i feel like while they've really from my friends who've read the graphic novel like they've done a really good job of updating it and just making it more relevant there's political struggles between like Especially here in America, there's still got to be Republicans and still got to be Democrats. That's what I was thinking. It's like once I once I finished the first episode, I was like, oh, shit. Then I started thinking of all the women. Right. And I was like, oh, shit, that woman's not getting along. With that woman. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, I like immediately went into all the like conflict. Yes. And then and then it was like, uh, like, I don't know, it was it was weird to go back and think about all the women I just watched. And then I realized, wow, it was women centric yep. the whole episode. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even recognize it until now the y chromosomes are gone um but it just yeah the diversity already Mm. episode one i haven't watched past episode one but um it's cool yeah it's like they're giving us a slice of all kinds of lives Mm -hmm. too not just yeah there's women women of all different backgrounds i feel like are are being represented they're not all innocent already you know they all have like a thing going on like there's all the conflicts with the paramedic i was like oh Uh oh oh yes absolutely there's all all kinds of things so it's just it's delicious it's my new favorite i'm excited it's a weekly show Mm. so it's that new thing to like get to look forward to like every week and it just seems really well done it took them years to it's been in production hell like it took them years to develop it but i think it's for the best i think where there's women uh behind the scenes behind it like which i think is integral for a story like this there's like yeah could you imagine some men like all right now we're gonna do this This that's how they're gonna do it no Mm -hmm. it defeats the purpose so i would imagine i bet it must be a fun show for women to be working on because it's just oh totally there's like there's one guy and it's the rest all women like yeah it's and it's cool too because there's some familiar faces like Diane Lane and yeah. Amber Tamlin. Who yes, like totally, totally transformed. Yes. I love and she plays her, like, like a Megan McCain type character. She does. I, I like, like they oh. wrote Megan McCain into this series, and I'm like, wow, it's she's a, it's impressive. Oh. It's good. <laughs> and she's yeah, and, and then, it's like, so not Amber, Amber Tamlin. Like I love it. Only no. Amber Tamlin could play love. this character because it'll make you at points because you like Amber Tamlin. You're like. Oh, I like, but I don't want to like this but woman. I like her. Yeah, they and so it, yeah. They, 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 that, they got it. They got, they got me sometimes, and I'm just like, no, I think your politics are shitty. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yes. Well, and then Diane Lane in that role is good because a lot of times, I don't know, I don't want to say you see in her victim role, but you know, you see her in like a very like romance comedy, or she's mm-hmm. kind of getting attacked, or you know, like kind of those roles. And to see her as this congresswoman is is interesting mm-hmm. already. So I like. I like it. And then there's enough actors where it's like, oh, I know your face because you've yep. been in other stuff, but I don't know you too well, which I like because it's like, let the children rise up and act Ooh. and do their thing and not be too, you know, recognized so they can just 
get an Asian resale. So I love and it, maybe so. win an Emmy. Look, look out, Emmys. Maybe. This show, I better see it getting all kinds of nods. Yeah. We're done with the and crown. Yeah, <laughs> not just Diane Lane. There are other people in this show that could also get some some awards and recognition. That's yes, all we're saying. That's what we say. I think we should just do our own Emmys. Done. Just... Done. It's the Rob then... Jammies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, Let's do the it. Minority corneries. I don't know. <laughs> Great. We'll, we'll work we're it out. We'll quick work it out. Break. And when we get back, we're going to continue our celebration of Latinx Hispanic uh, Heritage Month, although last week we renamed it Selena Dodd uh, because the Latinx community are going through a, a, a I don't know, identity. They're, they're discussing their identity and who they are, but we're going to keep celebrating folks who fit within the Selena Dodd. And we are going to take it way back to a case before Brown vs. Board of Education. There was Mendez vs. Westminster. At Liberty, the weekly podcast from the ACLU, that's the American Civil Liberties Union, if you didn't know, now you know, explores the biggest civil rights and civil liberties issues of the day. As part of the ACLU Systemic Equality Program, many recent conversations focus on how we address America's legacy of racism and systemic discrimination. Mm-hmm, they are doing the work, similar to over here at Minority Corner, I see you, that we're like cousins. They've had Kimberly Crenshaw on the true meaning of critical race theory. They've also had W. Kamo Bell, who's talked about you know race and comedy, parenting, activism, and so much more. I love him and his amazing show, United Shades of America. Pretty sure that's him. They've also had Nicole Hannah-Jones on how slavery still manifests in every aspect of American life. So, so many great guests. So definitely go over there and check it out. We've got some really great conversations on defending voting rights, fighting abusive policing, safeguarding free speech, and so much more. So it sounds like this is a great sister show to uh, Good Old Minority Corner. So get that double dosage in. So definitely recommend checking it out. You can subscribe at Liberty on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Congratulations, you've won a ticket to attend an exclusive opportunity in a relaxing environment with two lovers. Wow. Well, this sounds like a sort of proposition of sorts, but really it's an ad for our podcast. Wonderful. It's a show we do here on Maximum Fun where we talk about things that we like and things that we're into. I'm Rachel McElroy, and you just heard Griffin McElroy, and we are excited for you to join us as we talk about movies and music and books. Things like sneezing or the idea of rain. <laughs> can you get news or information you can use? Absolutely so. you cannot, because we're here to talk to you about pumpernickel bread. You can find new episodes on Wednesdays. So catch, catch the wave! Well, we're back in the break. Wow, that was fast. <laughs> Magic of podcasting. We're just suddenly, suddenly back. Okay. I have, uh, in usual James fashion, done more research yeah. than the time will allot. So I'm going to try to give you as much tidbits as I can. I will link a bunch of stuff in the show notes, but got to throw a lot of history. First of all, did you did you know about did you know about I the case not. Mendez versus this Westminster? Is, this is going to be, I'm going to school. Yeah. I'm excited. Going to school, going to school. So yeah, this happened, but went down back in 1947. And just to do a little 
history oh. of segregation, how this all came about. Uh, one of the first recorded segregation cases uh, or moments was in 1854, where black students in San Francisco became the first children segregated in California's public schools. Uh, so this is specifically thinking, so rewinding that the Mendez versus Westminster case takes place in California. Um, so this is the first segregation case that happened. I believe it was in California. I'm pretty sure there was some earlier in the South or even in Illinois, if you will. I don't know. I'll have to, I, don't, I don't have and all the research I did. Didn't have that part. But in the early 1860s, California state law authorized school districts to provide separate schools for um, pretty much children of color. So whether they're uh, indigenous, uh, Asian, they were like, great, they will have separate schools uh, if uh, parents of at least 10 racial minority students petition a district to build one. So they were like, you will go. Wow. It just only takes 10. And in districts with fewer than 10 racial minority school children, students could attend the regular schools unless the parents of white children objected, which probably happened very often. So you had segregation happening there early on in, in California. Um, the catch-all is, is that California never included children of Mexican ancestry. So we're talking about these racial minorities they had considered in this document, they said black, Indian, and Mongolian, which I guess is what they're referring to Asian yeah. people of Asian descent. They were wilding out with these terminologies, but they did not consider back then um, children of Mexican ancestry mm. um, lumped into that. Uh, so they didn't have a place to segregate them to originally. So Mexican-American children only became a target of local segregation in the 1900s when their numbers grew. So they're like, uh-oh, there's too many of these brown do? kids. <laughs> what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Um, and I was reading something. I don't have this. I don't think it's in here. But I was reading something that, like, even the word Hispanic came out of, like, Lyndon B. Johnson mm. and some research. They were – because they were looking to get – them in the census they were going to put you know them on the census and they were going to also have like a hispanic heritage like week or something like that um but they were tossing around different like focus group testing they were almost going to carve out carve out this identity of brown so there was going to be yeah. black there was going to be brown we were going to do straight up wow. color coding um which i don't i don't i don't know uh because latinx isn't working for everybody so i don't know yeah. if that would have would have solved it we just literally go to color coding it's intense yeah. yeah well anyways put a pin in that for a later for, mm. for a later chat so mexican americans were mostly unaffected by the turmoil over the racial segregation because again they weren't necessarily targeted but again after the 1900 revolution in mexico the numbers began to grow and unlike california's other racial minorities State laws never authorized school districts to segregate children of Mexican ancestry. They just didn't have right. it on the books, right? And so some districts began doing this after 1910, especially in Southern California. And by the 1920s, many Southern uh, California communities had established Mexican schools along with segregated swimming pools, movie theaters, and restaurants. So once their numbers right. started growing, then they're like, great, let's start – Let's put this in put this in, in into action. So, and I don't have the. I'm sure you can already paint this picture, but just to note, mm. their schools were shitty. I just uh, if you thought maybe mm. they had nice schools, 
They were not. They were. So, the story of the Mendezes. So, during World War II, Gonzalo and Felicitas Mendez, they leased a farm from a Japanese-American family who were ordered to a relocation camp. So, the layers of this are deep, right? So, they, so this, you know, uh, family of Mexican ancestry got a farm because Japanese American mm-hmm. family, remember they were Japanese Americans, were ordered to a concentration camp. And so they're like, okay, well, we'll you know, get the farm. Oh, so yeah. already there's many, many layers of fucked upness happening in one little story. And the farm was located in Westminster, which is a small town in Southern California's Orange County. Do you know about Westminster? What you do I've heard so of it, but right? not familiar because I never went yeah, I didn't go that on far. On the other side of the valley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was You have was to go on the lot. 405 to the 203 <laughs> to the 808. <laughs> uh, okay, so the Mendez is, uh, the Mendez, they um, moved their family to the farm, which was near an elementary school, but the elementary school was designated for white children by the Westminster School Board. But yeah. they're like, but my kids are, you know, we live here now. And so then in September of 1944, Westminster school officials told the Mendez is that their three children would have to attend the Mexican school, which I also could only imagine that literally, like, if you were just of any Latin American, Central American, Mm -hmm. you were lumped into that, you know, but they actually were Mexican, but, you know, still, I'm just thinking of other stories that are not even, Mm -hmm. haven't even scratched the surface of. So they were like, you got to go to Hoover Elementary. And ironically, the white school enrolled their cousin. Uh, get this. The white school had had enrolled their cousins who had a French uh. name with lighter skin. So again, this caste system bullshit. is bullshit. This caste system is fucking bullshit. And years later, one of the Mendez children, um, they remember that the Hoover school was just this terrible little shack and had no playground. And was next to this cow pasture with an electrified fence. So, like, (laughs) so again, when I said, if you were like, maybe the schools were nice, this is wow. (laughs) And so, one of these, uh, one of the children, Sylvia Mendez, she reflects that she Mm. was a little child at this entire time, and she said that she wanted to go to the all-white school in California's Westminster district (laughs) because it had a beautiful playground. She was had no idea what was, and she thought her her yeah. parents just wanted her to go to this nicer school because it had a beautiful playground. And she was like, "I'm down for that. Like, I want to yeah. get on those monkey She's bars and thing. those swings." It's a kid. Exactly. That's mm. oh, Sylvia Mendez, hero. So se- this is happening seven years before the Supreme Court's landmark decision of Brown wow. v. Board, uh, versus Board of Education, which brought a class action lawsuit. Where um, and so this okay. is so yeah, this, this is well before that. And so this case, uh, what the Mendezes were able to do were to rally with four other families as well uh, who were experiencing this. And their case went all the way to the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. And in 1947, they won. And segregation in those districts ended and the rest of the state followed. So when we break down this case, though, unlike... Brown, uh, Brown for State Board of Education, the families did not actually claim racial discrimination because, again, Mexicans were actually considered yeah. legally white. <laughs> Which is like you're creating this really, I mean, this, I can't keep up with this caste system of rules, right? They're like, well, you're white, but you can't go to this school. 
because you you Mexican white, you know, like you're not white white, European white, you Mexican white. Uh, and this came out of another case, Roberto Alvarez versus the Board of Trustees of the okay. Lemon Grove School District. So that's a different mm-hmm. case if you want to rabbit hole into that one. Or you're like, oh, I heard of that one. Yeah, I have. <laughs> but rather, um, the discrimination was based on ancestry and supposed language deficiency that denied the children their 14th Amendment right, mm-hmm. which is uh, granting everybody equal protection under the law. If you're here in this country, everybody gets equal protection under, underneath the law, right, right. underneath the 14th Amendment. So Papa Mendez, Gonzalo Mendez, he, again, um, while this was going on, he was like, all right, Felicita, I think it's Felicita. Uh, he was like, all right, Felicita, you handle the farm. I'm going to go to work on this case. And so that's when he was organizing all these different parents and these groups to gather together to form this case. And then in 1945, um, him, he and the other uh, parents got together, and that's when they sued uh, for to, in this case. And this was the first wow. time, um, for the first time in federal court, um, that this argument was put forth that through K-12 students that based on their nationality or ethnic bi- background that it violated their 14th Amendment and constitutional mm. rights. This would also come into play later on in the Boundary Board of Education that um, uh, with, with this case that was happening. Right. They also introduced evidence that segregating students because of their ethnic background, it harmed them. Like, well, you know, this is well before we really have really good psychology going on. You know, yeah, you know, there's yeah. No, there's no sociology really i don't think or Brene brown no there's here. no mental health those mm-hmm. words being used <laughs> yeah That's so all. oh there but they did call upon other sociologists and education experts to testify that segregating mexican-american students it hindered their learning of english as well as well i don't know if i like about this but american custom and ways listen mm. you got to play to your audience yeah your audience yeah you kind of pop up well you know we're trying to you know indoctrinate them yeah Uh, yeah melting pot you know he they he read the room he read the room and knew what he was doing uh and he argued that segregation by its very nature um it's a reminder of of constantly of inferiority or not being wanted or (laughs) not being part of the community I kind of amazed. I don't wouldn't imagine this sort of discussion happening in like the 1940s or this sort of argument being made right. and it working. Right. Right. <laughs> There's got to be some luck thrown in there. I yeah. It's yeah, just some <laughs> good good old a good judge, I guess. And so they also had the school children, they all took the stand. They testified in English about wow. how they felt and that's also, you know, put the kids in the stand as well. Um, and they talk oh. about just how their school was, you know, terrible, run down, nasty old school books and things like that. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and so that was kind of like the basis of, of their case. And, um, let's see here. So, yeah, so they were saying that the, again, um, although on the flip side, they're trying to say that, oh, the Mexican schools, they're necessary for providing special instruction to students not fluent in English and not right. familiar with our American values and our customs. So that's what they're trying to say on the other, on, on the flip side there. But I want to fast forward to, you know, so I, 
so there was this idea that they were trying to really create that this is like oh but they're separate but equal but we all know that that's like bullshit and that mm -hmm. never really happens because right. those in the the majority are going to take all of the resources not give a flying shit about those mm -hmm. who um are don't have those resources mm -hmm. um so again on march 18th 1946 judge paul mccormick ruled in favor of the plaintiffs uh, as we had said on the basis of social and psychological and uh, pedagogical costs of segregated education that was damaging these Mexican-American students. Hey, and that's how it, it went through. Um, and the federal courts did not have jurisdiction over education, but the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals um, upheld. It went up to, they tried to appeal it, okay. but the Ninth Court was like, no, 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 we already decided this. This is good to go. So this is an important case. Because again, like I said, it also ha helps set the precedent for Brown v. Board of Education. Mm -hmm. I believe I was reading somewhere that Thurgood Marshall also helped to write, also was involved in this un in the Mendez case as well. Um, oh, I sense. believe I read that, or yeah. he used this for the Brown v. Board of Education case. But uh, he was up and in involved in it in some way too. Can I do it? You know? Yeah. Wow. I do want to highlight that to today, two of the schools in Southern California are named after um, Sylvia Mendez's parents. So there's the uh, Felicitas and Gonzalo Mendez Learning Center in Los Angeles and the Gonzalo Felicitas Mendez Fundamental Intermediate School in Santa Ana. Cool. And it sits in one of the districts, and there's also the Santa Ana Middle School, which people call Mendez for short, and it sits in one of the districts named in the Mendez v. Westminster case. Here's where it's going to take a little bit of a turn here, oh. where it's like, oh, we did it, yay, yeah, but how much has really okay. changed? And yeah. there are more than 13 students at Mendez, and it is a school of choice, meaning parents can choose to send their kids here from all over the district. Um, something that was unheard of for Latino families in Santa Ana before, uh, before the Mendez case. But nobody would call, so these schools, nobody would call these schools integrated. 90% of the students are Latino, and 92% qualify for free lunch and reduced lunch. And Sylvia Mendez says that she witnesses that, you know, resegregation it's it's just been happening over the day yeah. a decade she says that you know we're more segregated in schools today than we were back in 1947 and that's something that i've heard from um someone high up at my company mm. who they said that like i they had the facts better than i did but we have some of the most segregated schools today in this country where it's not by law but it is by if you have you know pro again if we still we live in a caste system mm -hmm. and you have certain neighborhoods that are going to be just more affluently it just ends up happening mm -hmm. as as is and with redlining yes mm -hmm. with redlining as well so it's still absolutely happening and it's so unfortunately you had this case happen and then you look back and you're like oh these schools are actually still incredibly segregated like right. yes this, you know um and they said that two schools that are named after her mother and father are 99 to 100% Latino. Um, wow. They fought and they won, but there's still segregation that is still happening to this day. And yeah. according to a report out this uh, recently from UCLA's Civil Rights Project, half of all Latino kids in California go to schools where at least 90% of the students are Hispanic or African-American and poor. 
and this is like and and this is six to seven uh, years plus after um the uh, mendez ruling right. and uh california has surpassed texas as the state where latino school treasures where latino school children are the most segregated that's so sad to hear especially after hearing like this amazing case that happened yeah. and then just sort of well where has it gotten you know um where where, where has it where, where has it where has it gotten yeah. us really like it's, it's sort of like you have to continue to do the work because really laws can only do so much to a certain degree if like unpacking systemic racism and a caste system mm -hmm. i mean it really takes all you have to dismantle systems you have to move things yes. around that's why you had busing that happened and then you have to also make sure that s teachers don't lose their jobs you lost yeah. a lot of black teachers after schools were desegregated a lot of black teachers lost their teaching jobs because white parents were like oh i don't want a black teacher teaching my right. white kids if you're going to make them go to this you know the school together right. um so there's still like it's not enough just to like okay we did it it's then the follow-up work that needs yes. to continue happening the continuing the continuing of the work and that's the mm -hmm. hard part yeah 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 because don't you think it just gets everyone gets comfortable right it now now you're in a class class system a caste system where now it's like oh well i'd rather my kid go to school with other hispanic kids or other latino kids mm. than just try to battle with you know you know getting them into the white school or whatever i mean do you feel that it, it, there is like kind of a settling for what's familiar and what seems safe do you think that's why the schools are still that way or do you think it's just like straight up redlining and districting and all the stuff yeah and i guess i think I, I look at it and i just i wonder do these schools i guess it would be one thing if like these predominantly latino schools that they had all like the, the funding that they needed mm -hmm. and that you had these really yeah. you know i didn't even i uh, got into it this week and we'll get into this next week but you had like uh in the 60s there were these student organized walkouts that were happening right. uh, these huge student uh with the chicano movement of these walkouts because i mean the graduation rate was like one percent it was so low and because they weren't being you know pushed to succeed in, yeah, in, in education and I, I don't have as much faith. I don't have the data. I am yeah. not Brene Brown, where I just have data beep, pop, boop, pop, <laughs> beep, on my boop, fingers, yeah. just like right there. Um, I like how you're, I don't know, maybe it's just because you shimmied, but it looked like your <laughs> chest did the button pressing. There was a shimmy that happened, and it was like beep, pop, boop. <laughs> it just worked. Um, <laughs> oh, man. So uh, I forgot what I was saying. I'm so distracted. Brene Brown. <laughs> Yeah, so I just would imagine, like, it'd be one thing if these schools had the right resources. Right. But I don't know. It's uh, I don't want to tell people where they should go to school, and if people yeah. don't want... But here's the thing. The data also shows that everybody benefits from diversity. You just, like, right. everybody on all sides benefits yeah. from being around people who are different from them, learning from people who are different from them, surrounded from people who are different from them. Yeah. And you also, like, you know what? We'll just get better funding. There will just be mm -hmm. better funding for things. Yeah. Well, do you do you know if there's anybody, like, working on the ground to help desegregate in a healthy way and, like, a, a, a successful way? Or is that – are we just stuck in this kind of – yeah, I know exactly who it is. It's all Ooh. of these corner kids who are listening to this podcast. That's right, right corner here. kids. Uh -huh. oh, that's your 
quarantine. I, that is exactly it. So I, I, but I'm sure there are I people thought. boots on the ground. Uh, but if you are in California, uh, and this is why it's really important for like you know school board elections and things like that, and and local races, and really focusing on these school systems here because it's like when you look at these numbers, um, it's very startling. And the fact yeah. that again that California has surpassed Texas. That's never good wow. for anything. It's just we should, you know. Never surpass. Anytime California surpasses Texas, it will not be for a good reason. No, it will not. Well, that was a little bit of mm. your uh, some history there for you, you as we celebrate this month. Uh, looking back and clearly still more work to be done. Yes. But you also now know about a landmark case that set set the bar, set the groundwork for the work that we're still doing we're still doing but at least it is like like you said even for Thurgood it was an example case mm. for another case that was fought and as these children grow up mm. and fight mm. then mm. they can have these cases as examples still in the future and that that'll hopefully help them fight for more justice and more equality within the school systems I'm hoping I'm hoping Boom. we get some of that fingers across Toes across, mm, mm. eyes across, my legs Ball, across. Everything's crossed. <laughs> everything is crossed. Eyes across. <laughs> Oz, eyes across. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for that. I really did not know about that case, and that's and knowledge you, is power. Yes. Do you spend and you did you grow up in Southern California? No, I mean I spent okay. my twenties like I spent like a decade in, in Cali. But I actually These were the kids that you were trying to empower through the T zone. Some of yes, these kids. Yes. <laughs> it's true. I wish I could follow up with some of those girls because like we there was true change and impact during that camp. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know they're doing all the work. I love it. I can feel it. I can mm. feel those T-zoners mm. doing the work. Get out there, T-zoners. Yeah. Watch, one of these days, it'll be, one of these women will be sworn in to being president, and then she'll be like, my life got changed because I was at the T-zone with Robin Allen style, like, a.k.a. Oh, Sunkiss. And princess, yay. <laughs> and princess yeah. as well. <laughs> yes. Love All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to go, we're going to get into style. Yeah. Robin Allen style. Hi, it's me, Dave Hill, from before, here to tell you about my brand new show on Maximum Fun, the Dave Hill Good Time Hour, which combines my old Maximum Fun show, Dave Hill's podcasting incident, with my old radio show, the damn Dave Hill Show, into one new futuristic program from the future. If you like delightful conversation with incredible guests, technical difficulties, and actual phone calls from real-life listeners, you've just hit a street called easy. I'm also joined by my incredible co-host, the boy criminal Chris Gersbeck. Say hi, Chris. Hey, Dave. It's really great That's to... That's enough, Chris. And New Jersey chicken rancher, Des. Say hi, Des. Hey, Dave. The Dave Hill Good Time Hour. Brand new episodes every Friday on Maximum Fun. Plus, the show's not even an hour. It's 90 minutes. Take that, stupid rules. We nailed it. All right. Uh, you better work. Turn around. Good work, girl. girl. Do your thing. Empower through fashion. Okay. Oh, oh hey. that's a little hey. sing song. I feel like that's it's you. Yes, the category is mm. right. Uh, empowerment, realness. Thank you. That's exactly it. <laughs> <laughs> How did you know? I know the category. Tens across the board. The board. I did. I did what needed to be done. That's right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. 
Well, my corner is a little bit more fluid than your corner, which is perfect. I think it's a nice balance. But you gotta get the balance. Yeah. But um, I'm bringing the fashion and style because that's what I do. And I had to bring my little, my little, well, it's my target version of a designer, Christopher John Rogers, who represented the red carpets. So I wore my version today for the people. Here for it. (laughs) Um, Because where else am I going to wear it right now? (laughs) It's like. Yeah, right here, like, uh, just right here on this podcast. That's right. Listen, listen to, to my passion. sleeves. Yes. Okay. If only you all can see it. Check on the YouTube. Yeah. Check you out the get, YouTube. You can get it. Yes. You can get it. Um, but I just, yeah, what I wanted to talk about um, tonight about fashion and style is that I totally preach and teach the confidence is key. And I just mm-hmm. use clothes as a conduit to build confidence because a lot of times we do all this inner work. And we're, you know, like we just said, mental health work and we're working on ourselves, but then we look, we look in the mirror and we're like, oh, what about the outer? What about the outer? The outer is not matching Mm -hmm. the inner. What are we doing? Um, so I just wanted to kind of talk about how there's some examples right now, especially one example that just happened at the Met Gala that I thought was the strong representation of really showing your confidence and power on the outside, matching all the work that you do on the inside. And that's our Miss AOC. Mm-hmm. Speaking of yes, she did. Soledad month, if that's what we're calling it. Right. Right. Yeah, Selena Dodd. And yeah. I'm over here with my little <laughs> notes too, because I don't want to um forget anything. But AOC, if we don't all know, she wore this beautifully white fitted trumpet gown, which means fitted all her curves and then flares out at the bottom, pure white sleeve or sleeveless. It was um it was actually, yeah, sleeveless. Um, Mm. and then on the back was written in red, which it felt like it wasn't blood, but it was written. The red was written very raw. Like the, the it was very like, like, I don't want to say like anarchy, but it had like this this activism. Activism. It was very much like, you know, like activism, you, I'm a paint a poster. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta go to the protest. I got five minutes. Let like if you this. drop down on the fonts, it would be activist font. Perfect. Like <laughs> yes, that's it. She was like, "Y'all got the activist font." Like, yeah, let's, let's do this. And, and uh, yeah, and her dress said in that font, "Tax the rich," and she mm-hmm. was headed to the Met Ball at Gala. Now, at first, I was like, before I read about anything, before I read her post, I was like, "Okay, AOC better be telling me everything I need to know on her Instagram because I'm having feelings." <laughs> no, she's of the people, especially the. Latino community and now we're going to a ball that's $25,000 a plate like how is she going here and justifying this yeah uh-huh. you know so that's why I wanted to kind of talk about Great. it because the activism behind it is purposeful and I know following her and believing in her and trusting her as a leader that she didn't just fall from grace and just go yeah I want to wear a pretty dress for the night and I'll just put my you know slogan on the back and go in and eat you know with the rich um I knew that she had a point so she made it clear mm-hmm. on Instagram that she did have a point and that the, a lot of political, uh, a lot of politicos get invited to the Met Gala for free. So she wasn't paying yeah. for the plate. Especially because she, those are her exactly. constituents. Like it's New York, exactly. it's the arts. Like, yeah, that's and, her people. And um, so that was, that felt good. And that she also said the dress was borrowed, of course. So. Right. And her, and her ticket, ticket was, was donated. donated. So all of that came to me, but it was funny because she writes on, on her Instagram, she's like, before you even, all you all even get start quacking at me, 
She's like, I will tell you. And I was like, because I cannot believe in you. I mean, because you're going to be president one day and I need to vote for you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm already setting my bar to something's going to happen and I'm going to have to be like, "Mm." it happened recently with um, Simu from uh, our our Shang-Chi. It came to light. (laughs) Now, I'm, I'm curious as the response. But it's come to light that our very beloved Shang-Chi, I, great movie, uh-huh. amazing, love it, so good. We've raved yeah. about it here on the show. But uh, his Reddit, his, put, it's, it's alleged, his alleged Reddit, I, uh, po- like it, it was okay. anonymous, but people mm. have been able to like link the account to him. And it kind of was just not great towards uplifting like Ugh. women not ter- like i've read worse right and i, I hate that that's yeah. where we are but i've significantly like read worse um he did sort of out of context equate he was doing research for a character that turned out to have done like been oh. a pedophile and he equated it to like uh, homosexuality oh. this uh, yeah but when you it sounds worse that if you read what his post was that's okay. the context of it, but the way that he wrote it, it sounds like a 26-year-old person figuring things out on the internet. So this was like okay. six years ago. I always give space and grace for yeah. people to grow. Um, I would be curious as to his response. I hope that, like, luckily Team Disney wrangle him in, Kevin Feige, get the right – It's it's always about the response and just having humility of, like, mm-hmm. I am learning and growing for this. Not, I'm sorry you were offended – but it's like, whoops, ouch, I was young right. and stupid. This is, I will continue to, like, make amends for this as we move forward. Not just, like, I already, that was years ago. Right. Get over it. Like, it'll just be in, in, in the response. So we'll, we'll see. But anyways, all that to say, be prepared that everyone, I like, I accept, I, you no. can go into my internet pass. I don't have shit Thank like you. this. Thank you. Because like this. this, okay, if we want to go here, because I have feelings about, these accountability videos and these apologies on things like you just said, like I would never do, I would never like even young or even younger. Like I I would never do the things that these people have done or said. So to excuse them is like, um, now for me, the real accountability is to yes, apologize, but then you apologize with a check to the organization you offended and you do it regularly like fair. on the regular and you do it publicly yes. like that's the true accountability to me yep. to kind of balance the skills but like that's to me in you like i know that you can grow like from something like that of course we're all young and dumb but at some point how young and dumb are we like i mean in the in the scope of i don't know like i well i think it also a, i think it also changes because like again because I really like, I love this yeah. movie. I like right. him as an actor and a human being. Yeah. So I'm rooting for him. I think again, like, if this was Chris Pratt, I'd be like, fuck him, yeah. I'm over. I, was, I told out. you he yeah. was trash. Look, he's trash. <laughs> we know he's trash. Why are we still letting this trash walk around? But him, I'm like, oh, okay, well, okay, let's, well, let's see. I, I'm like yes. giving that space and grace. So it's also learning lesson for me of like, I just always, I, I believe in space and grace for, for all people. I think everyone's just trying to figure it out like people everyone is human we all step in it everyone so that's going back to your point with aoc (laughs) i'm already setting my like expectations to 
there's got to be something. She's got to step in it and I'm just giving yeah. it space for it. So that way I'm not like right, traumatized, right. shocked, and like, I hate, I can't, ah, right. oh, I'm, right. I'm like, she's gone. Like, I, 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 I'm already just setting my stomachs yeah. to. Like, here it coming. is. But I feel like those Republicans would have gotten her the dirt on her if she would have done something in the past. They would have found it by now because, you know, they're digging on yeah, it daily. Digging. But luckily, she's like, what, 28. So she's yeah, and she's been like know, a true nerd. She's fine. Long. She'll be fine. But like, yeah, yeah. but it's it's yeah. true. It's it's I also think managers and agents need to start looking harder at these stars as they start climbing. Mm-hmm. You need to start scouring a little bit more so this doesn't just pop up and surprise a, a an actor or an actress, you know, like surprise the talent. Like yes. they need to be doing well, some research. When, oh, well there's, uh, there are teams, uh, the right ones will, will do it. When I made it to the final oh. finals of a reality television <gasps> show recently, um, I, when I was in the very, they were like making final decisions and I got a call. They're like, okay, we're just doing last media checks. We need access to like oh. all of your social medias. And they have like a team of people yeah that dig through and I'm like, okay, I got 13, 14 years of Facebook. Yeah. Enjoy. Um, I probably have like 15 Twitter posts. Yeah. That don't take long. I'm the same way. Um, I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> just like quotes from <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Well, congratulations on the final finals of whatever. I mean, I didn't oh, get okay. in well, it. So, you know, maybe they were yeah, like, Oh, there's not enough yeah. dirt. Fuck. You know, that's strategic too. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but I do appreciate that because something always comes up that so-and-so turns out that they were at the insurrection or something. And it's like, well, had we just dug a little deep or they're just like the right. earth is flat. And we're like, oh, okay, well maybe we should have. Yeah. 9-11 was oh, an inside wow. job. Okay. Well, we should have looked at this before. Oh, the show's airing. Oh, well, All right. We'll just it when it comes on. Yeah. Yeah. Make it work. Yeah. No. So I like that you're leaving space for like someone being human, which I totally get. It's just some of the things that some of these, like, especially like YouTubers and stuff are, you know, being held accountable for. It's like, that's pretty dark stuff. Like, Mm, you profited off, like you made a video and you profited off it. And now you're not giving any of those profits away. And then you were in blackface. Yeah. This yeah. is why you stick to the vloggers because yeah, you're like, this is I my life. It's go like, wrong with someone just do, someone just doing their laundry. What how, do they? How, do you how get they it wrong? Gotta be careful. <laughs> well, because then they use the wrong la- laundry detergent. Now here we are. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, anyway, yeah. for going back to AOC being just this great representative yes. of uh, the Latin culture to me and of her people, she's been such a to me in this moment a great representative, and she posted that the medium is the message. And she was saying how important, mm-hmm. you know, fashion can be as a tool to get your message across and be confident in it. Cause not a lot of us are confident in just like being an activist, going out there and holding the sign. We're not all that, per- you know, we're all, not all those people and we can't all be those people. So it's kind of like, what roles can mm-hmm. we play to be confident in, in uh, sharing our beliefs? And I always just think fashion is the way to do it. Because it's really, you can say what you believe without saying a word, to be honest. It's like, I almost, for you, I almost wore my free Britney, not Cosby shirt. <gasps> yeah, then I was like, oh, it's not you, you would have had a yeah, fan Yeah, it's in here. pink, it's fine. Yeah. Um, but, but what's great about <laughs> the fashion of that, too, is not just, like, buying something that says something that you believe in. You can also buy, like, I just bought a pair of slippers, where, which are sustainable, and then they're also giving a pair back to the homeless community through a dot organization. Oh. So the idea, too, is that 
What's this organization so the kids can well, also Well, the company's called Bombas, and they do socks and underwear okay. and slippers. <gasps> I and have sustainable heard of Bombas. Yes. And upcycled. And mm. then every time you buy a pair, they donate a pair to the homeless community, which because like yes. they say um, with, through their ads and stuff that that is what is most requested are socks and underwear. So it's just that oh. kind of twist on thinking about your clothing or what you're putting on. So it could even be a t-shirt like you're wearing, but it's like, oh, is it black owned? Oh, do they give 10% back to the NAACP? Awesome. I've done my job, right? Because now I bought the shirt, mm-hmm. but I bought it consciously mm-hmm. and I can feel confident about wearing it and then going out into the world and that confidence emotes it just does even if it's in a t-shirt and you're just like yo i know it's like i know what's behind this t-shirt can walk a little taller maybe talk to somebody that you wouldn't have before but then of course when you have a message t-shirt or something like i'm wearing this is i'm i tried to represent all these are my dear friend melissa chavez so this is my latina representation this is a black owned business dress Mm -hmm. These are Black-owned business lips, mm. lipstick. So okay. I can be yeah. proud to say, you know, I'm supporting my community, you know, and I get to have mm-hmm. fun and still dress up and, and do my thing. But I just took that little extra time to know that I did it with a purpose. So a lot of times when you have that yes. knowledge, that's the confidence you need to get dressed. It's fun. Being intentional about what we are putting on our bodies as we go out into this world and say, hi, world, here I am. And then what a great conversation started. Oh, where'd you get that? And then we start opening the the door to that. Yeah, I get approached a lot. And I truly believe it's because of my confidence that I just have a natural confidence about Mm -hmm. what I wear. The air about me is just like, yo, I'm me. I can't change me. This is me. And I'm going to wear what I want and look how I want. And I always get approached. And so I was at, uh, I was in Portland and I stayed over, I did a staycation in Portland, Oregon. And so uh, I was down at the breakfast, you know, the continental breakfast, this cute little white guy comes up to me mm-hmm. and he's like, wow, I really like your face mask. I was like, thank it's It's black owned, woman owned. You can get it here. It's Candace Court Designs. And guess what? She puts on a label. You are enough. So get it. And he's like, oh, no, thanks. So it's just like a constant, like, and I feel so good about sharing that, you know, and that people have yes. that confidence to uh. approach you. Like, oh my gosh, she's wearing that with such, such presence. And it was just a mask, you know, I was in my pajamas, whatever. Mm. Um, Clearly it was not just yeah. a mask. It yeah, was just That's a right. It was, it was That's all right. the statements. You were AOCing on your little continental staycation. Yes, I was. No big deal. No big deal. So, yeah. And I feel like as a stylist, I I do have the confidence to rock like message tees and to share it online. And, mm-hmm. you know, people kind of expect it of me because it's like, oh, she's the fashionista. Oh, okay. She can be bold. But even with my clients, I've noticed new, new conversations like, yeah, we'll be talking about clothes, but it's like, it's getting like deep, like. Oh, I have this t-shirt I want to wear. It says women's rights or, you know, me too, but uh, I don't know. And it's like, we have this conversation about it, like wear it with confidence and Mm -hmm. it will make a difference to somebody. Sometimes you won't even know, you know, but Mm -hmm. somebody needed to read that or someone needed to feel your confidence or 
you know, just needed to be supported with that purchase. Like the woman I bought the masks for, she personally messaged me, you know? So she was like, thank you for the support because she's a little business right now, you know, growing. So all of that connection, you know, is, is really kind of what style and I think fashion is becoming. Okie dokie. Well, that is the show. What a great one. Loved it. So great having Robin on the show. Love her. She'll have to come back. And we're going to get out of here. Uh, no fact checked. Everything we said was perfect. I'm sure there were things. I know there were specifically things I was like, oh, I'm going to fact check it. But uh, there's no time. We'll leave it for next week. And you all have a great, fabulous week. We love you all so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you to our editor, Sarah Brown. Our production coordinator, Lori Fowler, and to all of our Maximum Fun members and our listeners. We can't do the show without you, so we love you so much, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Minority Corner, because together, we're the majority. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.